Hi, this is Pastor Marquez Ball of the Uplift Church in Laurel, Maryland. Listen, it is my prayer that this word is a blessing in your life. I pray that it's uplifting to your mind, uplifting to your heart, and uplifting to your spirit. Check us out online at upliftmd.com. God bless. And he said to his father, Oh, my head, my head. The father said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap to noon. And then he died. And she went up, laid him on the bed of the man of God, and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she said to him, she called to her husband and said, send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, why would you go to him today? It is neither the new moon nor Sabbath. She said, everything all right, all is well. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, urge the animal on. Do not slack the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When, when the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, look, there's the Shunammite. Run at once to meet her and say to her, is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with your child? And she answered, all is well. And when she came to the mountain to the man of God, she caught him by his feet. Gehazi came to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone, for she is in bitter distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say to you, don't lie to me, don't deceive me. And he said to Gehazi, tie up your garment, take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not reply and lay my staff on the face of the child. Then the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I am not leaving you. So he arose and followed her. Gehazi, I went ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was no sound or sign of life. Therefore, he returned to meet him and told him, the child has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, he saw the child laying dead on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself upon him and the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times. The child opened his eyes. Then he summoned Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when she came to him, he said, pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. Then she picked up her son 
and went out. This is the word of God for the people of God. The word of God is already blessed. Will you do me a favor with a smile on your face, joy in your heart, the same kind of smile on your face that says, my child ain't just taking me to IHOP. My child now is taking me to some fancy place I ain't ever been before, but I'm going to act like I've been there all the time type smile on your face. The kind of smile on your face that says, I've paid all of my bills and I still got money left over type smile on Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, good morning. So glad you made the church. This morning's sermon is Lessons Mama Talk. Look at another neighbor, look at another neighbor, look at another neighbor. And say, other neighbor, good morning. So glad you This morning's sermon is Mama Talk to that. Mama taught me that. Amen and amen. You could go with either one of those. Mama, mama taught me that. Will you pray with me? Father, this once again that I stand to proclaim your word. I pray, dear Lord, that I decrease and that you increase mightily. That these, your people, would see and hear less of me and more of thee. Take the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart and make them to be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, our God, our strength and our redeemer. Father, I have studied, but I need your strength. I have prepared, but I need your power. I'm willing and I want to, but I need you to make me able. Silently now I'll wait for thee. Ready, my Lord, thy will to see. Open my eyes and lift me. Spirit divine. Lord, prepare us to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Mama, mama taught me that. Mama taught me that. Um, as, a, as a child, I was somewhat of a precocious child. I, I, I was a precocious learner, a precocious reader. Now, I did not say I was the smartest in class. I did not say I had straight A's, but I was a, a precocious reader, a precocious Learner, uh, you all uh, can remember. For those of us of a particular generation, you can remember uh, at your school, uh, you would get this little uh, catalog, little paper catalog, and you had to check books you want because Scholastics was coming, and you knew uh, you were able to get a book. Well, I got those catalogs, and I can remember Scholastics coming. They opened up them little uh, containers, and we got to see all the the books and things. And I would go in, I would check stuff on the catalogs that I want. I would go in, I would look at it, and then I would walk out because I didn't have any money anyway. I could check all the stuff I wanted, but I wasn't getting any of those books because my mama had no money to give me. And so I, I looked at those books and, and couldn't get them. Uh, so I had to learn, I had to learn um, how to borrow books, not steal. I didn't, I didn't steal. I, I borrowed books, not from school, not from scholastics, but I had to borrow books from those who were close to me. I didn't tell them I was borrowing books, but I, I borrowed books. My my aunt, uh, we would go to visit my aunt uh, about um, an hour from, from New Orleans. We'd go to Baton Rouge, an hour, hour and a half. And my aunt, she had these books kind of in an outside garage kind of area of her house. And so because they seemed to be outside of the text, 
to me, they weren't that important to her. And so uh, as, as a precocious reader, precocious learner, I would see certain books and be intrigued. And so it was from my aunt that I borrowed uh, certain books. I didn't tell her I borrowed them, but I borrowed certain books. It was from my aunt that I borrowed Napoleon's Hills, uh, a book Think and Grow Rich. I borrowed it as a child. I was a precocious reader. It was as a child that, that I borrowed from my aunt books by Zig Ziglar. She had all kind of self-help books, and so I would borrow them, and so on the ride home, oh, look, I, I accidentally kept this book. Every single time we went there, I would borrow uh, one of my aunt's Books. And so I was a precocious reader. I enjoyed that. When, when I was in middle school, uh, I got home before my parents did. And, and well, I was bored. I had done chores. And so it's time to explore. And so I started exploring certain things. And so we had a we had a little guest room. And in the guest room, there was a closet. And hey, what's in this closet? And I'm, I'm searching through stuff. I'm hoping to find something they didn't want me to find. And in the closet, on the floor, there was a crate of books. And so I borrowed my mom's book, uh, Zora Neale's Hurston, that eyes were watching God. And so I was a precocious reader and I was just interested in what was beyond the pages of those books. And that same class, now y'all, when I borrowed the book, I hid it like I wasn't supposed to get it. Now she probably would have let me read the book, but I didn't know, so I snuck and hid it at night. I would hide it under my pillow and I would just read the book. But then when I got home, they also had, uh, in that same little closet, an old computer and this old clunky computer book. I'm a computer programmer today because I was a precocious reader and I began to read that little book. I was curious as to what was in those books. I learned a lot from those books. I am part of the person that I am today because I was able to find out what was beyond the pages of those books. I'm thankful for what I learned in books. You can, you can learn a lot from a book. There are some, there are some lessons in life you can read all the books you want to read. There are some lessons in life that you won't read in the pages of a book. There, there's lessons about life that, that my mama taught me. My mama, my mama had class, y'all, with no registration period. My mama had class. She had no syllabus. My mama had class and didn't even know I was a student. I didn't know I was a student. I'm sitting in class, and because of the life that my mom modeled, I learned some things that I could not learn in book. There was no set date for the class. Every day I saw her and how she handled the ups and downs of life. She was teaching me a lesson. And it's because of my mama that I learned some things about how to push through difficult times. I wonder, is there anybody else who was registered for that same kind of class where mama taught you some things? I, I learned a lot from mama. And in our text this morning, brothers and sisters, we learn something from a mother. We're able uh, to, to take a course. We, we're able to kind of sit in the back. For us, it's a non-credit course because we were in her time, but we're able to sit in the back and eavesdrop on her course. We sneak in and we not on her roster because we ain't paid the price for the class, but she ain't come rolling, so we in back of the class and we're able to learn some things from this Shunammite woman about life. Here it is, y'all. We're in class in 2 Kings chapter number 4. 2 Kings really is, is one book, but uh, 
the, the Greek on Old Testament called the Septuagint. They divided it into two even parts just to make it easy for us. They knew back then that some of y'all weren't going to read the whole thing in one setting, so they broke it up to make you feel like you were reading two different books. And so they broke it up to make it a little easier for us to digest. We're in, we're in 2 Kings, which really chronicles lessons in the life of the Israelite people. It chronicles how God moves and works in their lives through various kings and prophets and priests. That's what 1st and 2nd Kings is about. So we're in 2nd Kings, which really describes the, the prophetic experiences of Elisha. Elisha. And here we are. There's Elisha deals with this Shunammite woman. First thing this woman teaches us in our text is you've got to make room for God. Here it is, Elisha. He comes into town and the woman sees this prophet, this man of God, because in that time they did not have access to God as we do. Jesus Christ has not come yet, and therefore they had to have a mediator. Now we can call on the Lord ourselves in our car, sitting at our kitchen table, but for them it was not that kind of experience, and so when God spoke, he would normally speak through a prophet. Because this woman has this interaction with the prophet Elisha when he comes into town, the woman says to her husband, listen, I don't just want this casual experience with God, but what I want to do is build a room for God in our house so that when the man of God comes by, he's got somewhere to stay. Her husband says, cool, no problem. She builds a house, a room for him at her house. So when he comes in town, he's able to have somewhere to stay. She says, in essence, God, I'm inviting you into my house. She had to make room for God. Okay. Um, I don't know about y'all, but for me, I have difficulty at times making room. I have difficulty at times uh, making room. Asia, Asia's not in here right now. She must be out doing something. So I'm going to tell, tell this story. Um, y'all pray for me. Uh, pray for me because I, I've got difficulty balancing room on my calendar. I've got, I've got difficulty balancing room on my calendar. Um, last week, Asia came by the house. She was preparing to do uh, the teacher appreciation kind of breakfast. We wanted to talk to that piece. Really, she came to see the baby, but that was her excuse uh, uh, to come by. And so while she's there for, for years now, Asia has tried to help me get my calendar together. And y'all, I've got difficulty balancing things on my calendar. And while she's sitting there, I'm on a call with the fraternity brother. I'm serving in a row, and we've got a meeting on Thursday. And he says, hey, can you have this by Thursday? And I said, ah, I got another meeting that I set up on Thursday. Asia looks at me and looks at my wife, and they both just look at me and laugh because they know my schedule is all kind of messed up. And then while sitting there, I said, you know what? I got to speak somewhere tomorrow, somewhere. I don't know where. And I don't know what time. I know what I'm saying. I'm prepared to speak. I don't know where, and I don't know what time. I've got difficulty at times moving things around on my calendar. Sometimes my calendar gets filled with things. Is there anybody else like that? That sometimes you just got way too much on your calendar. You just, you just busy. And folks, hey, you got any time on Tuesday? No, 
ain't got no time on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I need some time for me. And when you get time for you, you say, I'm going to sit down and watch some Netflix, and then you wake up and you replay it again, and then you watch the same thing, and then you wake up and replay it again because you're tired and you do not have time. But the problem is, many of us can make time for a lot of stuff. Many of us can, can make time for a lot of people. Many of us can make time to find out what's going on in everybody else's life on social media. You wake up early and are late to work, but you ain't misscrolling on your social media posts. You make, you make time for that. Many of us make, you turn your phone off when your favorite television show comes on. You can't wait to catch it. And sometimes you caught it and then you catch the rerun again just to see if you missed something. You make time for things that are important to you. But when it comes to God, we, we, we catch God in passing. You know, I, I might pray on my way to work if somebody has got on my nerves. I, I might pray in the morning if I, I don't feel like getting through. I, I might talk to the Lord in the evening if I need something from him. But I don't have this regular time with God. Here it is. We're in the back of class. And the woman's first lesson for us is this. If you want to be blessed in your life, you've got to move some things around and make room for God. Okay. All, right. All right. Here it is. Here it is. Let me tell you why it's important to make room for God. When we're driving on, on let's say, 295, and 295 is always backed up. I mean, 295 is, is always backed up. But every now and then, you'll be stuck in traffic, and somebody will, will feel like they're special, and, and they got to go somewhere quicker than you do. And so they'll move over to the shoulder lane, and they'll just drive on the shoulder lane, and then they can't get back over because you make up in your mind what you're not going to do is cheat and cut me. And so they cannot get back over, and then you hear sirens. Sirens are coming, trying to get to where the problem is. Sometimes the ambulance trying to get to where the problem is can't get to where the problem is because something is in its lane. Sometimes. My brothers and my sisters, we are so busy that we put other stuff in the emergency lane that's supposed to be for God, and you're wondering why you have not seen God move and work in your life. Maybe it's because you made extra room for certain people and for certain things and for certain places that when God is trying to get to your problem, God has roadblocks that you have put up. Lesson this text to say to the teachers, brothers and sisters, is that you've got to make sure you make room for God. Then, then the woman shows us something amazing. You gotta learn to take your problems to God. Somebody say, take your problems to God. Let's try this one more time. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, take your problems to God. Not me. Okay, there we go. There we go. Here we go. Um, this woman has a problem because what God has blessed her with has now died in her lap. And the woman takes 
her son, lays him on the bed, the man of God closes the door and doesn't say anything to her husband, so doesn't say anything to the servant, but just, just send me a donkey and a servant that I may get to the man of God. And when they ask her what's wrong, she said, nah, it's cool, everything's all right. And while she's running to get to the man of God, when she gets there, he sends a servant. And the servant says, is everything all right with you? Everything all right with your husband? Everything all right with the child? And she says, yeah, everything is cool. What's interesting is she doesn't tell everybody her problem. Here's why. Because the people who were asking couldn't do anything about it. And sometimes our mess up comes because we take time to tell everybody what's going on in our lives. And we know they can't do anything about it, but we take their advice over God's advice only to make one mess a bigger mess. And now both of y'all are surrounded by mess because they couldn't help you anyway. Was that my sister? This this shooting woman lectures in class called Life, and she says, you got to learn to... It's a sensitive, it's a sensitive lecture. She says, you, you gotta learn, you gotta learn to close your ears, children. You, you, you gotta learn to shut up. You gotta learn to shut up sometimes. Some of our problem is when something is going wrong in our lives, we feel like we gotta let any and everybody know about it. So you call your friend and say, now listen, don't tell nobody this, but you know I'm kind of struggling right now. And when you show up at work, everybody work on you struggling. You know, you, you gotta post a little bit about your struggle on Facebook. I don't know why men are like this, and this, this don't make now everybody know you done broke up with so-and-so and so. Listen, sometimes you just gotta learn to shut up and bring some of your problems to God because some of the people that will give you advice can't fix their own situation. The woman learned how to not tell everybody and say, nah, don't worry about it. Everything good because you can't help me anyway. But child, I saw that this was going to, don't worry about it. You can't help me anyway. You just as messed up and tore up as I am. What I'm going to do is bring it to God because God is the only one that can solve my problems. I want to know this morning, is there anybody in open church that has learned that there are certain problems that you just got to bring and leave before God because people cannot help you the way that God can help you. Woman, woman teaches us as we're sitting in the back of class because we didn't register that certain things we got to take to God because some people that may mean well have no solutions for us. My wife, my wife, we got we got a newborn, and and her mother is is great and loving and means well, but if my child is really sick and Mama means well, Mama loves her child and her grandchild, but there are certain problems you can't take to Mama even though mama means well and wants to help because there's certain things that mama just ain't qualified to help for. If your child has a broken arm, mama will mean well and say, baby, take a nap. And that won't fix that. I got to go before somebody that can bring solutions. And my brothers and my sister, this woman in the text shows us that there may be people in your life that mean well, but when you've got broken situations, you got to get them before God, who is the only person who can bring you in your life. Yeah. You got to
gotta, you gotta take your problems to God. I'm done. This is a, ter- a small little sermon on this Mother's Day. After she shows us that you gotta make room for God, and when problems show up in your life, you gotta learn to shut up and then to bring some things to God. Then she shows us this: when God works a miracle in your life, you've got to learn to pause and worship God. Okay. You gotta learn. You gotta learn to pause and worship God. Some of our challenge is that we have such hope that God will do something. And when God does it, we celebrate, we call and tell people who don't care about us anyway, and they think like they're going to celebrate, and we run around and we dance, but we don't pause and say, God, thank you. We, We rarely say, God, the job I got wasn't just because I had the right connection, but it was because you blessed me, God. Thank you. God, I know the doctor did their part, but the truth of the matter is the healing that I got in my body was because you are a healer, God. Thank you. God, I know I swiped my car when there wasn't no money in there, and I just thought maybe they had to listen. No, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for how you're moving and working and keeping me in perfect peace. And so every now and then, my brothers and my sisters, before we run and tell Lottie, Dottie, and everybody, we got to look up and say, God, thank you. You've been better to me than I've been to myself. God, thank you. You opened doors that I could not open. God, thank you. You made ways that I could not make. And I want to know, is there anybody in Uplift Church on this morning that will pause long enough to say, God, thank you for all that you've done and all that you're doing in my life. This woman teaches us, brothers and sisters, sometimes we can get so busy in life that we make time and room for everybody and everything but God. You got to make sure that in your busy calendar, you say, how much time am I spending in my word? How How much time am I spending talking to God? How much room have I made for God to to work in my life. You gotta, you gotta make room for God. Now, not only do you have to make room for God, when, when challenges come in your life, you gotta make sure you bring it to somebody who can bring solutions. Make sure you take yeah. your problems yeah. to God. When God brings the miracle. When God brings the solution. You gotta pause long enough to say, God, I, I thank you. I'm done. I'm out of your way. Um, I've, I've been blessed, y'all. I've, when I was young, I was, I was a precocious learner, precocious. A reader. As I gotten older, it hadn't stopped. My wife would tell you my house is full of books. I got a library at home full of books. Those who've been by my house, I got a whole office full of books. If you've seen any videos we've done online, it's, it's full of books. I got books in the basement because I ain't got no room in my office. When I travel out of town, I come back with books, and my wife looks at me like, listen, don't bring another book in this house. You can find something else to do. And, and so I, I got a lot of books. I'm, I'm a precocious learner, precocious reader. But then, uh, y'all, there, there's some new stuff that, that grabs my attention. I've got, I've got degrees now, and I thank God for that. I've got the master's, the bachelor's, uh, the uh, bachelor's, the master's, and now on this next weekend, I'll be getting the, the hood from the doctor. Thank God for that, but I'm, I'm still precocious. And so um, um, I've got this thing called iTunes University now. iTunes University, y'all. I, I got on iTunes University, and I saw Yale is on iTunes University. My, all of my schooling is in Bible. So, but, but I want to know what they teach at Yale. So 
from Yale had a course on economics on iTunes University. So I enrolled in the course on iTunes University. I learned economics from Yale. Y'all, I went to Yale. <laughs> it was free, and so, so I did it. But then not only that, they, they have a course called Game Theory. Game Theory was at Harvard. And, and y'all, I learned Game Theory from Harvard. I mean, I downloaded the whole syllabus, grabbed the books like I was sitting in class. I wasn't getting credit for it. That's why I wanted to know what they know. And so I learned Game Theory, which taught me how, how insurance companies do Game Theory, whether or not they're going to pay you for an accident. I learned, I learned game theory, y'all. I, I learned all kind of stuff from Harvard and, and Yale. Then, and then they had uh, something called Corsica. Corsica. I could register that. I registered for Corsica with the University of Pennsylvania. Y'all, I got all kind of Ivy League and education. And, and in Corsica, I learned how to do something called reshaping culture and how to influence culture. I learned that from the University of Pennsylvania. Y'all, I am a precocious learner. And I thank God for the access that we have to learn. Wow, I got all kinds of degrees. And wow, I went to three Ivy League schools. I went to Yale and Harvard and the University of Pennsylvania. Y'all learn a lot from them. But my economics course had no solutions for me when tragedy struck and 